Hi, I'm Annette Rue, and this is Ruminate on That. Hello, welcome to the final segment in this series about the unwrapped gift, talking about Sabbath rest. And I continue to be amazed when I started this series, I mentioned how I'm hearing this theme of rest in so many different contexts around me. And I continue to be amazed that it is everywhere. It's popping up everywhere. Podcasts that I listen to or I'm different, different uh, influential churches that, you know, sometimes I'll see it on my Instagram feed. People that are influential to me that that speak into things like mental health and wholeness, um, people that I follow, there's so many people talking about this concept of rest and the rhythm of life and not striving. And it's just amazing to me that it's just everywhere. And so I'm glad that this is something that's on point with something that's happening in our world. And I humbly offer a few little tidbits of things that have been meaningful for me. I am certainly a student of the Sabbath. I am I heard someone else describe themselves as an amateur in practicing the Sabbath, and I definitely feel like that's the case for me. It's something I've known about all of my life, but it's amazing the depths of the things that I've been learning um, from God and from the wisdom of others in this season. So today is part three and the final part of the unwrapped gift. And in the first episode, I, I took some time to unpack some of the history of the Sabbath the practice, God's intent for it, and how countercultural it was uh, at the time when God originally introduced it uh, to humanity. And um, we also then, in part two, talked about, for me, the three essential practices of Sabbath. These three essential things, there are a lot of different ways um, that I practically do these things. But the three essential pieces that were so important for me are the presence, practicing the presence of God, even learning to be okay with my own presence, like stillness of just me and solitude is a part of that. Also practicing peace, to be a person of peace does not just happen because you're naturally a peacemaker or, oh, you must be a nine on the Enneagram. Oh, that's great. But that does not mean that you are a person who practices peace and lives a life of peace. And so Sabbath Uh, That quietness and that stillness introduces this practice and this presence of peace in our life, and it brings us back to that on a regular basis. And then the third practice that we talked about was practicing personhood, and I'm going to touch on that a little bit today again, Um, but understanding not just the presence of God and what he feels like, but the personhood of God and who he is his character, his his personality, the, the way that we see God reveal different facets of himself to us. And as we understand his personhood and we practice being with him, our own personhood starts to make so much sense. And so I'm going to talk a little bit more about that today. But today where I want to go is um, showing you some of the things that have resulted from a consistent practicing of the Sabbath. Now, I've been doing a form of Sabbath practice for years and years, okay? It's something that I've always been aware of. Again, I'm thankful to my Christian heritage, my parents introducing me to the concept. 
But what I've been practicing for a little more than a year now is, is at another level. It's literally a dedicated day, a 24-hour period that uh, I am committed to not being productive. So for me, not being productive means that I'm not doing any housework. I'm not doing any, I'm not running errands. I'm not doing any like personal chores. Um, for me also, as I was completing my master's degree over this last year, uh, I did no homework on that day. And that was, that was a challenge uh, because there's always assignments looming and the number of pages that I had to read, it was often overwhelming. Um, but I knew that that was something that I needed to, that was part of the boundary I needed to set. If I was truly going to practice rest, then I, I couldn't do any homework. Um, I did no work, no ministry planning. I didn't even work on podcast notes. I, I, I just didn't do anything that for me meant being productive. What I understand, and as we go into some of these, uh, the results of this practice, what I wanted to say before we do that is that um, what that means for you is going to be different. I, I'm not going to stand out there and say no one should do homework on their Sabbath or no one should not run errands on their Sabbath. What I know is what my personal conviction when the Lord and I sat with this and I was learning about this, I knew that it, it shifted something inside of me when I would endeavor to do those things, it shifted something inside of me. And I'll, I'll just share with you what was going on in my head and the, the stuff that I was telling myself, because maybe it will help you. Because there were times where I was like, well, I can just throw a load of laundry in. It's like hardly any effort, you know, I won't, you know, fold it or anything. I actually enjoy folding laundry. I know some of you are alarmed by that, but to me, it's relaxing for some reason. <laughs> But I even had to move away from that. It's just a simple thing, just tossing a load of laundry in. It's not that significant. Because again, it went back in my mind, it went back to it will save me a little bit of time. And so I found myself going, okay, well, if that is the objective of doing it, then it is still being productive, even though it's small. I am not going to say to you that you need to be that particular or that that way is the only way to do it. I'm not I'm not going to say that to anyone because we've all the Holy Spirit will speak to you himself. Sometimes I think that he will he uses others for encouragement and to help stir an idea in us and that's my hope here is to stir an idea and to maybe I'm sharing some of the practical pieces with you because it might help some of you identify, oh yeah, I wouldn't have really thought of that as being productive. That's something to consider. So it's food for thought. So now, as we've talked about some those those three essential practices for me, and the way that I did that, um, as I alluded to before, was obviously solitude is a big part of that of setting aside several hours that I'm not with anyone else. It's just very quiet. I practice silence. Sometimes I I spend time in worship. Um, prayer is a part of that. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about prayer today in this episode. Um, reading, reading the Word of God, absolutely. Doing some reading uh, of books that are very heart-driven or soul-care-driven. That was sometimes a part of my Sabbath practice. Journaling, big part of my Sabbath Sabbath practice of just, and, and because the journaling came out of that place of ref reflection, the things that I've been ruminating on and pondering, that God's been speaking to me, I would take time to download it and put it into journal form. So 
those are some of the practical things. Today, I'm going to talk about consistently practicing the Sabbath, some of the things that it has led to for me. And three things. The first one is probably the biggest chunk is perspective. Consistently practicing the Sabbath has has literally shifted my perspective. And it's not like it changed it and then it was set. It's that every time I practice Sabbath on a weekly basis, I find myself being drawn back to, oh, that's right. I've gotten a little distracted here. Or, oh, I, I feel like my mind kind of took a detour in this area. And, and the Sabbath practice has this amazing way of bringing my perspective back and recalibrating again. I've been able to be honest with myself at a whole new level. And I don't know if that's a struggle for you, but honesty with yourself. Um, I think we all have different tendencies. I tend to be, I'm a very optimistic person. That's just how I'm wired. When I'm not in a healthy place, that optimism turns into avoiding the reality of what's going on. So it, even the best things can become a problem when we are out of balance and when we get out of rhythm and when, especially when we're tired and we get to that place of unhealthy vulnerability where we're vulnerable to any kind of mess that's going to come at us. And taking time in the Sabbath and just sitting alone with yourself and in the presence of God, I find myself coming back to this place where I have these moments of recognition where I'm having to force force myself to face something and to look at that and go, oh, Annette, you haven't faced that honestly. And this is how I actually feel about it. This is what I truly wanted to say in that moment. And then I can deal with that because I've slowed down enough to really process things that had happened over the last week. Uh, I mentioned a quote from Robert Madu at the end of last episode, and I said, if you can't rest from it, then you're a slave to it. And I find that to be so true. When I'm trying to be honest with myself, those moments in Sabbath, I come face to face with my own striving, and I'm able to measure it against who God has called me to be. So this area that I find myself wanting to strive toward, and striving is not always bad, because we are, you know, we're, we're living on a mission. And so we should make effort toward that mission. But it just so easily becomes about me and not about what God has called me to be. And so coming back on a weekly basis to this place of quiet and honest reflection with myself, I, I can measure that striving against who God's called me to be. And, and he is so faithful to show me when it doesn't line up. But if I don't slow down, to do that, it's very likely that I won't see it and that it'll end up leading me into a place that I didn't intend to get to, lead me to a detour or wasting time doing something that that wasn't actually in line with what I was supposed to do. During Sabbath, I have the time to do a self-examination when you're just sitting with yourself. And I've begun a practice in that place of asking myself important questions. And then I make myself answer honestly. It's crazy how even when it's just you, you ask yourself a question, how you can still try to sway the answer to sound a little better. And in that place of Sabbath, I've learned I have to answer myself honestly, because that's how I can move forward. I also ask myself, am I able to let go? As I come to this place of stillness and not being productive, am I actually able to let go to decompress and rest? 
because the reality is this, adrenaline will carry you for quite a while. Slowing down actually allows you to feel the weariness because it's that kind of deep soul tiredness. But adrenaline can mask that when you get going and you're on a roll. I'm thinking of several people right now that are good friends of mine. They're doers like I am. And I can see it in their face. I can hear it in their voice when they're in go mode and probably have missed a Sabbath or two. (laughs) Adrenaline will carry you for a while and you can almost feel like I'm killing it. See, I'm doing fine. There comes a point where uh, when you have not taken that time to decompress and let it release, that it builds up on you and blows up in some way. A lot of times we get sick physically, you know, your body just gets worn out. Uh, Some people start to feel it in their mental health. Uh, For me, it's all those things. Usually I feel stress in my body. My shoulders and neck are hard as a rock because I'm so wound up. And so it's brought perspective for me to make myself stop once a week and ask these questions. Another question I ask myself is, do I actually trust him? If I'm sitting here in this place of Sabbath and I am really struggling to stop worrying about something or stop thinking about it, or it's hard for me to stop planning, like, then do I actually trust God? Do I actually trust that he's doing what he says he will do? Do I actually trust that he's going to give me favor and strength to do everything that needs to be done in six days? Because that's really the reality of what it comes down to. I'm, if I'm committing to this once a week and I see the mountains of things on the to-do list, there's always more. Do I actually trust that God is who he says he is and that he'll do what he says he'll do? Or do I believe that success and accomplishment is all my responsibility and it's all in my control? I have learned to gauge that on a weekly basis. I've learned to stop myself and ask that question because it is not uncommon for me to realize, oh, I was grasping at control there. I've, I've realized that the areas of worry and stress, things that are nagging at me, uh, they won't really go away easily when I'm trying to rest or reflect or worship. Even when it's a weekly practice, Those things still want to nag at me and cause me to worry or cause me to be stressed out. Finances is a classic area for so many of us that we can easily, you think about money and you immediately feel stress. In those areas that cause us stress on kind of a regular basis, the worrying that we do, what I've come to learn, and I've read in so many different books that have been super helpful, worry is essentially about control or the lack of it. And control is actually based in fear. And that's really fear and not trusting God that he will care for us. Um, There's a book that I read that's one of my Sabbath day books that I really love. I've read it a couple of times now that a friend recommended to me called Resting Peace. Fantastic. And she wrote in that book, she said, we are not our own bottom line. Thankfully, God is. And that's so simple, but... When you think about that, when I am not the bottom line in life, when when the final responsibility and the final control of everything is not on me, I live very differently. But when I'm convinced that I am my bottom line, 
I'm striving constantly. I can't ever shut it off because there's always going to be more to do. And there's things that could go wrong and I'm going to have to stay on top of it constantly, right? When God calls us to rest, he's asking us to renounce control. It's not only about taking time for physical or emotional refreshing. Those things are a beautiful benefit to Sabbath rest. But it's also about submission. Uh, This has been such a shift in my perspective to take this weekly time to lay it all down and go, that's right. This is not mine. All of this is God's and I am stewarding what he has entrusted to me. So it's good for me to lay it down. He asked me, he told me to lay it down. So I lay it down one day a week. It's not in my control. It is not for me to fret over. It's not only about the refreshing that God's going to bring. That's not the only reason for this Sabbath rest and how transformational it is. That process of learning to submit these things that God has given us to steward brings so much freedom and and really has genuinely shifted my perspective and reduced the amount of stress that I get from those things. I'm going to read this quote to you from Jan Johnson. It comes from The Virtue of Surrender. And she says this, as we relinquish control and admit weaknesses, we remember who we are and why we are here. The sun does not rise and set on our achievements, but on the love of God. Life is a journey of coming to know God, not achieving or gaining others' approval. Letting go is both too simple and too difficult. It looks like weakness instead of strength. It looks like losing instead of gaining, and it is. Responding to God's call to surrender forces me to value my brokenness as well as my strength. That was powerful to me when I read that. God has purpose even in my brokenness. I I was broken from birth. Like there is no, there's no shot at perfection for me here. It is a process of allowing God to move in my life, relinquishing control to the one perfect person that I'm in relationship with. Sometimes even the way we pray is an attempt to control God. And I have found myself, that's one of the areas that my perspective has been shifted through this Sabbath practice. On my Sabbath, I'm actually even starting to be mindful of how I'm praying, that I'm not coming to God with this agenda, with my list, my wants, my goals. On the Sabbath, I'm intentionally focusing my time in prayer more on things like confession, being totally transparent with God. When I ask myself those questions that I had mentioned before, and it reveals some of the the motives of my heart. I confess that to the Lord. Wow, God, I'm still struggling with ego here. I'm still struggling with wanting to control this person and this relationship, and I haven't really surrendered it to you. I also try to pray more with a heart of praise and gratitude, just thanking God for everything that he's already doing instead of bringing this long list of things I hope he will do. Again, this is a Sabbath-specific thing for me that It has caused my perspective to just be different when I approach this time of rest. And it's not that those things are wrong to pray about by any means. He tells us to pray specifically. But for me, prayer on my Sabbath even feels different. It's more about getting myself into a posture of release rather than standing in the tension of battle. 
Because listen, life is challenging and we're facing things that feel like battles every day. There are times for that kind of prayer too. Absolutely. I just prefer to not focus on those things during the Sabbath. During the Sabbath, I'm all about posturing myself in a place of rest and release. And God, I'm entrusting it to you. And I'm going to have to return to the battle the other six days of the week. So I will posture myself that kind of prayer on that day. Again, that's just something for me. It's been a perspective change. William Wilberforce, also, there's a great quote that I love. And he said, blessed be to God for the day of rest and religious occupation, wherein earthly things assume their true size. Ambition is stunted. I love that. I am a person who is driven. I'm a doer. I am ambitious. I'm always creating in my mind. There's always ideas running through my mind. And so learning this place of rest in this time of Sabbath has been powerful for me. And I love how he says, earthly things assume their true size. That is gold. Because there are so many things that we focus on in this lifetime, this this one lifetime that God has given us, and he has called us to do some things with purpose during this lifetime. But there's a lot of things that we worry and stress about that are not eternal things. They're not going to matter in a hundred years. And so I love that when we come to this place of Sabbath once a week and we learn to relinquish control and we ask God, give me perspective, give me your perspective earthly things start to, they go back to their true size. And my priorities are aligned again. I'm recalibrated. I can see how God would prioritize those things. And so I recognize that's why weekly is so important because it's so easy. And so it's, it happens so quickly that priorities get out of alignment and something starts to take the precedence that it shouldn't. And if I take a weekly time of Sabbath, It says, God, I'm inviting you into my perspective. Bring clarity on a weekly basis. I love it. Sabbath reminds me of who God is and who I am in light of him. Valuable perspective that shapes everything else I do. The other thing that has happened after this consistent Sabbath practice is is what I'm calling purification of the soul. Um, purification sounds really good. Like I don't want to drink non-purified water. I don't want to do that. I'm not just drinking right out of the Chattahoochee River. That's not happening. Purification sounds awesome. But we got to remember that the process of purification reveals all the gunk that was built up in there. Pure is great, but getting there means you're clearing away a lot of crud. When you're not used to being unproductive, Sabbath rest can really mess with you at first. And I say that from personal experience. It has a way of revealing all the gunk that is built up inside of you because you get into this presence of God and you're experiencing his perfect personhood. All these P words, I didn't do it on purpose. (laughs) Um, But you get into this place and Sabbath rest at first, it can really mess you up. It can really kind of throw you for a loop If it's a new practice for you, especially, you may not feel like yourself at first. It can be such a place of restlessness and you can almost feel anxious because we're just so used to doing. You can feel a little lost. And anxiety, it's not uncommon for anxiety to come when we initially learn this process of just stopping and resting. You feel like you're forgetting something. I remember the first uh, couple of 
Sabbath days that I that I had observed right after I had kind of this initial revelation from the Lord and where he really called me to take it farther. The first couple were awkward. I just remember feeling like, is there something else I should be doing? I just, is there, it feels like I, I'm, I'm missing something. And I don't, if for the parents that are listening out there, uh, when you have little kids, there's this crucial thing called the diaper bag, right? And man, you don't go anywhere without that. When you have a baby or a toddler, that is your lifeline. It has everything that you need in the case of emergency. And it's the craziest thing when we would go out on a date night, you know, and you obviously somebody awesome like my mom or a good friend is staying with the babies and we go out on a date, Steve and I go out on a date and everywhere I go, I feel like I'm forgetting something because the diaper bag, nobody's grabbing the diaper bag. And I'm telling you, my first couple of Sabbath days felt like that for the first couple of hours. I just felt like, where is the stupid diaper bag? Like I'm forgetting to do something. So just know that as you endeavor to start this process, that it will feel a little weird for probably most of you. If you're a super laid back, chill person, maybe not. And I know a couple people like that. But for most of us that, you know, we have this schedule that we're tied to and we have a list that we're always trying to, you know, manage and not let it overwhelm us. You can feel like you're forgetting something. Honestly, it can even get dark at times when you're, while you're getting the hang of it. It can get a little sad. There's like this sadness because everything in our culture pushes productivity. Everything around us drives us toward it. And it's like you have to prove you're productive. And that equates to value. In a lot of cases, it, we feel like we're doing something valuable, something that makes a difference, which is awesome. And no matter what field you're in or vocation you have or what pursuit right, that you're, you're doing right now, there is something valuable and something purposeful in what you're doing. And ideally, you feel like you're make, it's making a difference. And that's true. I hope that that is true for you. But that that drive is the exact reason that God tells us to stop and rest one day a week. Because he knows we will easily find our identity and our self-worth in the producing. Sabbath is all about doing nothing because God values just being with you. Not what you do, not what you're doing for him, not what you're doing for others around you, while it might be very noble and so helpful. He values just being with you. I've talked before about the soul being the home of your personhood. And Sabbath stillness connects us to God's personhood, right? We talked about that in the last episode. So in this purification of the soul, part of the reason that, that... it happens that way, that, that this purification process begins in the quiet and in the solitude of Sabbath is because there is nothing that you're coming to God with. There, you're not bringing anything to him. There's nothing you're laying on the altar of offering and going, look what I did, dad. There's nothing. You're literally just being with him. And so your very personhood is all that you are bringing to the table on Sabbath. Just you. And that's enough for God. He values it and he wants to take time. And then the beautiful exchange that happens is as you you bring your personhood and say, God, I want to know you as a person. I want to be invited into that place in a deeper way. This beautiful exchange happens where he begins to purify that again and help you to see again what it is that he initially designed you for. All the stuff that can confuse you about your value gets exposed. <laughs> 
in a place of holy solitude. You have to deal with it, but it will be exposed in that place. The lies about their importance are exposed and your soul can breathe again. That sounds kind of cheesy, but it's, it's like in the busyness of life and in the doing, it's like there's a boa constrictor of productivity and it slowly tightens around you more and more and more and more. And there's only so much you can give before it chokes you out. Your soul is the thing that gives. You might still be productive. Your body is still physically producing the things that need to be produced, but this, your soul gets choked out and, and the voice of your personhood and who you are and the deep desires of your heart get choked out by the doing. And stopping in Sabbath will bring that back to life again. It will purify that process. Solitude, it's, it's merely isolation if it doesn't result in transformation in your life. Solitude is merely isolation if it doesn't result in transformation. It can even become an excuse to remain distant and emotionally isolated if we're not careful. Honestly, that happened to me for a while. I, there was a period early on, uh, about a year ago, I was just weary. I, in, in the producing, in the doing, and caring for people, which I, I know I was called to do in that season, I just was, I was just exhausted from dealing with all of the stuff that was happening around me, what was happening in me, the questions I was asking. So I retreated to solitude to get a break, but honestly, I stayed there too long and it became an excuse for me to not deal with the pain of others or my own feelings about it. It was just, I'm just weary, just let me be, but it became a place of isolation and not solitude. I wasn't inviting God and all of his uh, interaction into that place. So isolation is when we exclude everybody else to protect yourself. That's when you know whether you're practicing holy solitude or whether you're isolating. If you're just protecting yourself from everybody else or everything that's happening around you, that's isolation. It is draining and it is impossible to feel refreshed from that place. Solitude is getting alone to be with God and practice the three things I talked about in the last episode and exposing your entire self to him. It is so life-giving and incredibly energizing it's amazing to me that doing nothing makes me feel so energized. What we do with our brain and our spirit in a place of solitude determines what we will receive from God's presence there. You can be alone and you can be quiet, but if you are not intentional, if you are not open and welcoming the personhood of God and his presence and his peace into your life, you'll leave very much the same, but not as physically tired. What comes from the purification of the soul? In First Peter, um, he, there's a verse that I like that talks about purification. And I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. First Peter 1, 22, it says, Now because of your obedience to the truth, you have purified your very souls. You heard the truth, you responded to it, you obeyed. You have purified your very souls, and this empowers you to be full of love for your fellow believers. So express this sincere love toward one another passionately and with a pure heart. When our heart is purified, we have the capacity to love others again. And not just to love them, but to love them passionately and with a pure heart. We have the energy to do what God has called us to do. The third thing that I have observed that's happening in my life because of this practice 
Um, we started out by talking about perspective and how it's shift, it gets shifted. Then we talked about purification of the soul. And this third one is, is purpose. There is this mysterious center in all of us. And the big question of who am I and what am I really doing here? It lives there in this mysterious place inside us. I have found more connection with the answers to that question, to those questions, who am I, what am I here for? I have found more connection with those answers during the Sabbath in places of solitude and worship than anywhere else in my life and my pursuit of God. When I am settled and quiet internally, I can see glimpses of what God sees in me. As he purifies my soul, I start to make more sense. It cultivates this quiet confidence in who I am again. It shows me, it reminds me, oh, that's right. God put this inside me. He made me to be like him, to look like him, to love like him and speak like him. And it brings a quiet confidence and security again in my personhood because of who he is. First Peter, again, chapter one, verse three says, celebrate with praises the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has shown his extravagant mercy. For his fountain of mercy has given us a new life. And get this, listen close. We are reborn to experience a living, energetic hope through the resurrection of Jesus. What a beautiful thing. God wants us to live with a living, energetic hope that God is doing something purposeful and we are a part of that. There is nothing more fulfilling than knowing this is who I am and this is what I am doing to be part of the kingdom of God and and his purpose. Sabbath is an incredible place of discovery, either about who I am, but also about what I'm here for. As I close this episode in this series on Sabbath, there, let me say, there are hours more things that I could talk about. I pray that God stirs a pursuit in you to understand this at a level that's deeper than you have before. I'm continuing that learning process. And for those of you who aren't convinced that this practice is important, or maybe not that you need to take it quite so seriously, I want to ask you to reconsider. And and I'm going to even go a little farther, and I'm going to challenge or maybe even dare you. <laughs> Uh, can try it for six weeks. There's nothing special about six weeks. In fact, I maybe I should have picked seven. That's like God's number of completion. But six weeks, I, I think three or four weeks just isn't enough to really figure out a rhythm of rest. I don't think that's enough time. So I want to challenge you to take six weeks, look ahead in your calendar for the next six weeks and identify the day that you can observe Sabbath. I prefer to do it from sun up on Friday till sun goes down on Friday. Not sun, not even that. It's just one entire 24 hour period. But for me, it's Fridays right now. Some people will do um, Thursday evening through Friday evening or Friday evening through Saturday evening, whatever works for you, but a 24 hour period. I would encourage you to look for it at the next six weeks, literally plug it into your schedule and practice. I would love to hear from you about Um, what God does through it and what your experience is like. And here's the thing, um, spiritual whiplash happens. Let's be real. Um, We talked about that in the beginning of this podcast as I started it. It will happen again. 
things are going to happen. Unfortunately, life is going to continue to have its challenges and there's going to be things that pop up that knock you off your course. If you are already overextended, it's really going to take you out. It's very possible it can take you out for a long time. But if you can come to a place where deep rest is a part of your life, when those challenges come, There will be an intentionality inside of you. You will have the perspective that God is still in control. You will understand that he will care for you. You will be in a place of trust. He will care for me, even through this. Deep rest is not always easy to find, friends. I don't don't get there every Sabbath. There are still Sabbath days that I struggle to really get to that place that I, I know I feel really connected. It requires a great deal of intentionality and self-control and discipline. It really does. But these things that we've talked about are just the tip of the iceberg and why it's so worth it. Ultimately, being connected to the God who created me in such an intimate way, I know it will continue to change me for as long as I live in this life. It's a life of faith that is energized by that living hope. What if the rhythm of our lives was oriented around the Sabbath? It used to be for the people of Israel. What if everything else that you have going on was planned based on prioritizing one day just for God? How would that change your life? How would that alter your thinking? How would that impact your plans and your priorities? I heard someone say a gourmet chef can starve to death while in the kitchen constantly preparing great meals for other people. And that's so true of us, isn't it? The things that we aspire to do to change the world around us and make a difference and have an impact and provide for our lives. It's a beautiful gift of productivity that God has called us to. Six days he's called us to productivity. But in that producing We can lose ourselves if we don't stop to remember who designed us for it and what his purpose is. So as we close today, take six weeks, practice the Sabbath. I encourage you to study it further. There are so many amazing resources out there. But I know that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And there's a reason that all of Christendom is talking about rhythm and rest right now. And we need to listen. We need to be attuned to that and allow God to speak to us. Shabbat Shalom, friends. I hope that you have a wonderful day of Sabbath sometime very soon. I would love to hear from you and how God is using this in your life.
Thank mm-hmm. you.